So you're listening to this podcast. Maybe you want to make a podcast of your own. Well, Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast direct to Spotify. Everywhere else podcasts are heard as well. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. And if you want to take the conversations of your fans to the next level, you can even do Q&As and polls direct through that same feed. Spotify for podcasters. Get it now. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Sports Key to Wrestling here on whatever podcast app you're getting this on. Subscribe to Sports Key to Wrestling on Spotify, Apple, and other popular apps. If you're just streaming us once, we have a whole lot more content for you every single week, nearly six days a week, including a special Raw review every single Monday night with Vince Russo, Smack Talk every Friday with Dutch Mantel, and exclusive interviews like this one. When I became champion, that when I step in the ring with Randy, is my chance to show that I can step up with not just the best, but one of the best of all time, like one of the top five, in my opinion, of all time. Hey there, guys. Rick Uccino here again on the Sports Keto Wrestling YouTube channel, getting to catch up with my good friend Drew McIntyre. It's been a while since we've had a chance to talk, but here we are. It is the week. Uh, excuse me, the week of uh, Survivor Series. You're going to be leading Team SmackDown into battle this weekend in the traditional five-on-five -five elimination match. First things first, how are we doing good, sir? Marvelous, marvelous. Um, not quite sure what time zone I'm in right now. I've been doing a little bit of jumping across the world <laughs> over the past few months, but the past couple of weeks from uh, you know, UK to Europe, and then I just got home last night from Budapest and getting ready to jump on a flight to uh, Brooklyn tonight. So uh, times are good, though. Like I've always wanted to be as busy as possible, and I am as busy as possible. I was going to say, though, that, that 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 trip overseas, especially for you, uh, after everything with the we've gone through the last two years, that had to feel pretty good, though. Oh, it felt amazing. It was so bizarre that we were literally just in Europe and the UK doing a tour seven, eight weeks ago. Uh, I got to see my family for the first time in over two years, got to see the crowds, and we're right back there again, and the crowds are equally as loud, equally as passionate, equally as wild, and we got to experience it again. So... And I'll go back over next month. I'll go back over every month. We just keep want to keep traveling the world, getting to different countries. We've not been to it a long time. And it's so cool to get to visit all these different countries and somewhere like Budapest and Hungary, which I've never been before. It's such a beautiful place. Well, you're going to be in New York uh, this weekend, Brooklyn. Also a beautiful place. <laughs> yes. Yes. I wish I could be there. Unfortunately, I'll be uh, uh, here in Cincinnati this weekend. But uh, it is a, a big weekend Survivor Series. This is one of the, the, the four cornerstone pay-per-views for, for WWE. Interestingly, though, you were going to be captaining Team SmackDown after being one of the faces of uh, Monday Night Raw for the past year. Is that uh, how's the, how, how are your thoughts on on that getting the switch over to SmackDown and now you're going against Team Raw? Yeah, I mean, initially uh, when I moved to SmackDown from Raw, I felt like a complete traitor because I have <laughs> been on Raw for so many years and been the face of Raw and the champion of Raw. And, um, when you think Raw and Drew McIntyre, you know, were synonymous with each other. And then suddenly I was, I was on SmackDown. I was like, wow, I'm a terrible person. But it wasn't my choice. And realistically, if I look at the Drew McIntyre story, it all began on SmackDown and things didn't go very well the first time. And I'm looking to make things right this time and fix that part of my history. So, you know, I've got over it. I've had a few weeks to think about it. I've started getting my momentum going on SmackDown with my open challenge. And now um, I have to face 
face my, my demons, <laughs> face Raw head on and kick the crap out of them, but I'm ready for it. And uh, looking at some of the guys on Team Raw, I got a bit of history with them and I'll be happy to kick them in the heads. Yeah, you're not in a unique situation though either. There are a lot of guys uh, who are going to be in this match and same for uh, for the women in their uh, five-on-five uh, traditional matchup uh, that have just changed brands uh, very, very recently. And a lot of people talk about the draft being too close to Survivor Series uh, with the brand to brand and, you know, it kind of... Uh, limits the battle of supremacy what what are your minds on the you know raw versus smackdown format do you think it might be time to change it up a little bit or do you like it uh i mean i don't know about this necessarily the stakes and brand supremacy thing like for me it's just the case of we're on survivor series we're part of one of the multi-man matches like i used to love when i was growing up and i want to be one of the survivors like for, it's more like personal pride it's like, okay well, we'll represent smackdown that's all fine and dandy but i'm representing drew mcintyre and I want to go out there and run through some of the best the Raw has to offer. And if I'm one of the, when I'm one of the last ones standing, I'm going to say, damn right, all eyes are on Drew McIntyre. I just won Survivor Series, the Survivor Series match, and that's what it's about to me. Your first and if anyone else is like, SmackDown did it, yeah, you know, just moved here. They can as well, but realistically, I'm, up, I'm all about Drew McIntyre being a Survivor. I've always kind of looked at it as like it's baseball. Like you just got traded. Like it, you know, you just got traded and you're on a new team and you're you're pushing for a postseason run or something like that. You're gonna be, you know, just as excited and and, and putting in the, the team effort. So I was kind of equated yeah. to that. Just build but, up those like equity points. Like, you know, in the end, we hopefully all of us are looking to fight the top champion, which is Roman Reigns right now. You just want to keep building up as much momentum as you possibly can. And being a survivor and team uh, on the Survivor Series team just helps you get closer to that goal. Yeah, we will get to Roman Reigns coming up uh, in just a little bit. But uh, your first Survivor Series match was all the way back in 2009. You were a member of Team Miz. You defeated Team Morrison. You were one of the survivors in that match. What do you remember most about heading into that? Because that was roughly, what, about three months after your 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 main roster debut. You are just 24 years old at the time. What do you remember most about that uh, leading up into that and that match specifically? uh being nervous we're just nervous all the time during that period getting all these huge opportunities all these huge matches and myself and Seamus are on the same team which is pretty cool because uh, I think currently we're at odds with each other I can never keep up and we're on and off so much <laughs> one of these celebrity couples or something um but yeah like at the time that like him and I are just gonna hit the scene and we're really making some waves in WWE which was awesome for us we can throw the ranks together and suddenly we're going to be part of a Survivor Series match and then by the end of the match, uh, there's the famous picture where I think Seamus likes to say as myself, Seamus and Miz, and he goes, look at Drew and I victorious with that fan that bust in the ring after the match. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you, you, you bring up Seamus. Um, you guys are on the on the same brand still. You know, he's going to be coming back, uh, I believe, this Friday. Uh, you know, Cesaro and, uh, and uh, Ridge Holland are, are fighting over him right now. But it, it is... Is my pipe dream of a Drew McIntyre Sheamus tag team run where you guys just beat the hell out of everybody? Is is there still hope for that happening one day? There's always hope for that happening, and realistically, we have a space left on Team SmackDown. And although we're kind of at odds with each other right now, I would pick him before anybody to be on the same team, fighting side by side, because side by side we're an indestructible force. Chances are, once we beat the other team up, we're going to beat each other up. But as long as we smash the opposition first, and then if we happen to free up another position, then slot and Cesaro there. You've got the super bar and the three of us together. <laughs> Damage done. That okay. Now that's a faction I want to see. I want to see the super bar now. Like just put all three of you guys together and just run yeah. Rothschild over. Cesaro's a pretty patient man. Like he can probably put up with me and Seamus constantly fighting each other, even though we're supposed to be friends. I'm pretty sure he'd probably just be entertained by the whole you know thing. Oh, uh, he'd be sitting there just telling dad jokes, laughing at us the whole time. <laughs> uh it so. 
if you could be tag team champions with anybody, would it be Sheamus or would there be somebody else, you know, that you would, uh, that you would want to pick there? Hmm. It's a difficult situation because I can't turn my back on them, even if we're tag team champions, but at the same time, I know how much chemistry we have and how physical we are and how terrified people are to know they're fighting one of us one-on-one, -on -one, but together or opposition. I'd be like back in the day when, You'd hear about certain wrestlers walking up to the board and seeing their name across from certain people going, nope, and leaving the building. I know that's what most people would do. They saw Seamus now as a tag team. So, yeah, I guess I would pick him. And just to be entertaining for the fans, how much would be on and off during that relationship. We need that therapist that, you know, Team Hell No used to have, Dr. <laughs> Shelby, whatever he was called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. That would be a lot of fun. I Again, that's that's one of my pipe dreams. Like when you guys like originally started, you know, feuding la uh, earlier this year, or last year or whatever it was, all, everything just blends together now anymore. Uh, I was one of those ones. I was like, damn it. I was really hoping they wouldn't turn on each other and that they would team up. So I'm still hoping that uh, uh, we get to see that uh, one day. Uh, it is Survivor Series uh, weekend. Last year, Survivor Series, though, uh, you were in it. You went up against Roman Reigns. I would put that main event up against any other match last year. Uh, I thought it was one of the matches of the year for sure. And I think the the general consensus among the people, you know, nerds like myself who talk with one another is that you were drafted over to SmackDown to challenge the head of the table for the Universal Championship sooner rather than later. I know you have to be champing at the bit uh, to get another shot at Roman Reigns, especially how last year's match ended. Yeah, I am. I excited, uh, not for if, but when that match is going to come. And it seemed like everyone on the roster, along with all the fans, were like, well, obviously, this is the match that's just going to happen. And I'm the first one to say, all right, all right, let's take a step back. Like, if you look at the lay of the land right now, even though you know he doesn't always win clean and he's got the biggest head uh, on planet Earth, some may say deservedly so. Um, Roman's been on like a winning streak and a character shift that wrestling mate I've never seen before. He's got all the momentum in the world right now. And I can be honest and say, I don't. So for me to jump right into that match, I don't want to do it right now. I like, I'm a very patient man. I've been around the game for over 20 years, just like I did on Raw. I'm happy to start with something like my open challenge and start proving myself against everybody. And I'll start from the bottom. I'll go through every single superstar I have to go through. I'll be a survivor and Team Survivor Series. I'll do whatever it takes to remind everybody, not show everyone, because I've shown everybody what I'm capable of, but remind everybody how good I am. But at the same time, have Roman watching me the whole time going, ah, crap, he's coming for me and he's taking his time about it. So that's my plan anyway. I don't know what anyone else's plan is, but I would like to take as long as possible to build Drew McIntyre back up to where he needs to be to make that match as big as possible. So you don't have quite a date in mind? Like would like WrestleMania be like the, uh, the, the end all goal there for that one? Yeah, of course. <laughs> we'll see how it works out. Kind of a dumb question. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but I, I think so many people, they, they look at the, the layout of, uh, of SmackDown and they go, well, obviously Drew is, is the guy there because you just so fresh in everybody's mind that you were WWE champion for uh, twice over, uh, over the course of the last year. But I also think if you look at the majority of that locker room, you have some former world champions there, but you also have some really, really talented guys that for one reason or another have not been elevated to that main event scene. So they look at the landscape of, of SmackDown and go, well, yeah, obviously it's got to be Drew. But man, that is still a really, really talented locker room. And I got to think there are a few guys in there that if they just got that opportunity could be projected and be main event stars, just like uh, you finally broke through and were able to become. Absolutely. Sometimes it just takes putting that line, a final piece of the puzzle together like I did at the beginning of 2020. It was just something missing that was preventing me having a connection with the fans. And for me, it was just finally being myself and relaxing, 
mainly on the microphone, like not in ring or anything. I was like felt comfortable who I was there, but I was always walking about with my chest puffed out and my hair in my face and growling and talking about eating carcasses. And that's not me and no one actually talks like that on planet Earth. <laughs> so like I was missing that missing that fan connection. It's good to be big generic heel for top babyface to work with, but realistically I wasn't um, you know, quite there yet and I hadn't put that final uh, piece in the puzzle. And when I did, I was off and running. And it's just the case for a lot of the guys is just finding that one moment that really makes everybody go, there it is. That's what was missing this whole time. And sometimes it's there and it's just getting the opportunity to show it. And that's the cool thing about the open challenge that I've been able to do. But then there was Sammy and, you know, he's got his thing down. Everybody knows what he's all about. And then you've got Ali. We're still waiting to break through to the next level. He's got all the skills. We had a short match. People were talking about him after. And then the one with Ricochet, I believe it was like trending right after. Such a short match. We only wrestled with three minutes. But my goal in those like short matches is remind you how dangerous Drew McIntyre is. But highlight my opponent, especially when someone as talented as like an Ali and a Ricochet and a Sami Zayn as well. And those are the guys I believe that are going to really break out now, especially some of them that came in being a bit, you know, I don't want to ruffle too many feathers. And I can see they've got chips in their shoulder now and they're ready to, you know, put it all out there. If you put it all out there and you've got no fear, then you won't fail. I'm glad you brought up Ricochet. Um, the best Claymore I have ever seen in my life. How difficult was it to to make sure that 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 timing was perfect with him coming off of that moonsault there? Very. <laughs> I was mildly concerned about it. <laughs> you know, it's live TV and WWE. We don't get any retakes. Uh, and it was so, like, on the money. I don't even know if the live audience realized that it connected the way it did until they saw the replay and the people in the crowd. I could hear them watching it going... <laughs> as they saw the replay because it happened so fast that the foot slid under his chest and caught him in the face that I don't think anyone beyond the first few rows saw the connection until they saw the replay but yeah I was very happy that came off the way it did yeah you might have heard me actually cheering uh from my office that was one of those things that made me just throw my chair you know backwards you see me when I hit it and I'm lying there my legs in the air like huh hope I connected with that <laughs> but I was watching it with the people in the building like Oh yeah, damn right. That's how I meant to look. <laughs> now, was that Ricochet's idea to throw that in there? Um, I believe I'm going to give credit to someone whose name might not have been heard for a long time. It might have been a certain Jimmy Yang Wang who threw something out there, and then I told him at the time, if it comes off, I'll give you the credit. If it doesn't come off, I'm still going to blame you. He's <laughs> like, no, it was never my idea. <laughs> I, I had a feeling he uh, he's actually uh, he actually trained me in the ring for a year. And when I found out that he oh, was really? he, yeah, when I found out he was a producer uh, and I started watching, you know, the the matches each week. And then, you know, Sean Ross from FIFA.com, he'll always put out like who the producers were. The second I saw that match between you and Ricochet, I was like, I bet Jimmy worked on that dang match just because I've, I've, I worked with him for a year. So I had a feeling that was going to be your answer. Uh, and I'm, uh, I'm glad because uh, he's a great dude and I, uh, I'll definitely uh, be one to give him credit uh, any way, shape or form that, uh, that I can. One person I did want to ask you about, and it's, it's kind of perfect that, you know, we're doing this interview today. Randy Orton, a year ago today, you captured your second WWE championship against him. Also, wow. today? today, yes, November 16th. Wow. Also, according to the Internet Wrestling Database, Randy Orton on Sunday will pass Kane for the most pay-per-view matches in WWE history, 177 of them and counting because he's still going. Somehow, though, you know, I think that man often gets overlooked when, you know, the debates about the greatest of all time or whatever happened. Looking back on the last year, 
the several months that you guys were going together, that rivalry, what do you, what do you think the lasting impact of that's going to be on your career? Uh, working with Randy is what showed the world that I could uh, not just get to the top, but stay on top. And I was finally showing the world I was a true main event performer, you know, Randy Orton. It's amazing, like you say, how people don't instantly go, like, how, talk about how great he is and how he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like, he's absolutely unbelievable at every area um, in this industry. And when he's not even trying, which he's admitted himself in the past, but he's not trying, he's still one of the best in this game. And during that period, he was working with Edge, you know, for somehow, even as good as he was, he got better on the microphone. He got better in the ring, his character elevated to the next level. And I knew uh, when I became champion that when I stepped in the ring with Randy, is my chance to show that I can step up with not just the best, but one of the best of all time. Like one of the top five, in my opinion, of all time. And if I can hang with him, I don't just prove to the world, I prove to myself that I belong. When it comes to the microphone, it comes to in-ring, it comes to the important stuff between the moves that Randy's an absolute master of. And that's what was so cool about that period that I was able to step up, but at the same time, learn so much from working with Randy and getting three months with him was like getting a PhD. I mean, top of the mountain in WWE. So without Brock leading up to Mania and that match in Mania, without working with Randy, I'm certainly not in the position I am right now. What, what do you think is like the, the biggest thing you learned from that time with Randy? Uh, I mean, it's always goes back to like, the things that you think like are simpler stuff, but are so important in our industry. It's just the small stuff. It's the in between the move stuff that Randy is so good at and it's hard to articulate. But if you watch Randy Orton match, you'll find yourself seeing his face and his expressions more than anybody else. It's because he is so good at making sure he conveys the story he's trying to tell. And you understand exactly what's going through his head throughout the match. And that's the easiest way to think about it is, when I'm watching a Randy Orton match, I do see his face a whole bunch more than every other person when I'm watching him because that's by design and he's an absolute master at it. One of the greatest of all time. I'd be remiss, though, if I didn't ask you about the great one, WWE, 25 years of The Rock. He made his debut at Survivor Series in 1996. Do you have a favorite, you know, rock match, rock moment or personal experience, you know, with a man that uh, that comes to mind that you'd like to share? I think it's hard to pick one. I was asked this recently, and I was basically said, like, how do you pick a moment from a guy who was a moment maker every single week? He would create a moment or multiple moments, and he's the person in wrestling who showed that we're so much more than just wrestlers. Um, you can be the top box office attraction in Hollywood. You can be a business mogul. Um, you can be probably future president. Um, and doing it while being such a good person, he's always been so nice every time um, I spoke to him. He said such wonderful things about me um, in the media um, when he didn't have to. And I think about his career, if I had to pick something and single it out. Um, the rock concert's good. Yeah. But the thing that always sticks in my mind, we talk about those small things in wrestling and being able to manipulate a crowd. Um, Hogan, Rock, and Toronto when they're face to face and all they did was turn their head to the left and yeah. right and how crazy the crowd went and then the the match as it went on just watching two masters uh, two generational icons do um my goodness the most amazing job of taking that crowd through a thrill ride and the audience at home including me through a thrill ride like never before and for what I heard whatever they had planned go completely switch and they were just feeling it when they were out there and that's what our industry is all about is just feeling it and taking the crowd through that throw ride. And there's no bigger throw ride than that match and those two icons. Those two just staring at each other and, and, and the crowd go, go goes nuts. That's like one of the only times in my life I can imagine. I, I can never feel like getting goosebumps 
Well, I'm literally watching nothing. It's just two guys standing yep. there, but it's the presence of both of them and the electricity in the crowd. It's one of the it's one of the best mo moments of all time. Yeah. Yeah. So if I had to pick one, I just remember how I felt when I was watching that. As I've laughed so many times at his promos and the one for Armageddon, the Hell in the Cell, when he did impressions of you know Undertaker and Stone Cold, listened to his Backstreet Boys or whatever. And if you like take, if you just I don't know, give it to someone else and had them say it, most of it's like not that funny but he was so over so charismatic so good at what he does anything he touched and said turned to gold which made that even better because if he literally gave it to one of the other superstars it would never have worked but everything he did everything he said worked it was a catch for his was on a shirt he was so freaking over and so freaking good yeah one of the best uh for sure drew always great catching up with you good luck this weekend and i'm, I'm sure we'll talk again down the line man appreciate you brother we'll see you again take yes, care absolutely